It is Making Money, the show with the financial coach, Ron Hebert, retired portfolio manager. I'm Gord Whitehead, a retired broadcaster. We try to give you some basic understanding about how to become an investor. Maybe you're a neophyte, even if you're experienced. You can never learn enough about this part of the world. And we want to start talking, a two-part show, Ron, dividend growth and dividend yield strategies. What was the genesis of this? Well, the genesis of this was a letter, or actually an email, that we got from a listener asking us some basic questions about dividends, about dividend yield. And I started going back and looking at the shows we've done in the past. And we haven't done one on dividend growth stocks and dividend yield stocks, what they are, how you should play them, what are the advantages and the disadvantages of owning them. So I thought, you know, as a catalyst to this show, that would be a great idea just to, to do a show on dividend growth and dividend yield because if you look at the demographic of the people that listen to this program, this is the kind of, of investment strategy that a lot of people that are puzzled about what they should do in a 1% or less interest rate world where they're trying to get returns but they don't exactly know how to do it. So what we want to do is try to explain some of those strategies and and help people to understand dividends and how they work and how important they are in an investment portfolio. So the answer that Ron sent to the to the question from Gloria was thanks for listening to the show. Now this is a thumbnail sketch of what the show, these shows are about. Dividends are the payments companies make to shareholders usually quarterly. They generally come from companies' profits. So it's a good sign when a company can regularly increase those dividends because it means that its profits are going up as well. The calculation for yield is to divide the dividend by the share price and multiplying by 100. So for example, if a company paid an annual dividend totaling $1 per share and its share price was $10, its dividend yield would be 10%. One-tenth times 100 equals 10%. Then we thought the subject was big enough and important enough for investors stuck in this low-yield investment environment. We decided to do this two-part series, dividend growth and dividend yield strategy. So do we start with dividend growth stocks? Well, we take a look at uh, uh, what are dividend growth stocks, and we'll talk about what type of investors are attracted to them. Then we'll look at what dividend yield stocks are, and what type of investors are attracted to dividend yields. So a dividend growth stock is a company that raises their dividends every year. And in the U.S. and Canada, they're called dividend achievers. Dividend achievers in the U.S. are companies that have raised their dividend 25 years in a row. And dividend achievers in Canada, the standard is not nearly as high, but they're companies that have raised their dividends five years in a row. Now, can we just be, I'm going to interrupt you here, Ron, because we've talked about Canadian companies and we have a couple that we've featured more than once on Making Money that have held their dividend and grown it for, for decades, right? Well, for example, Canadian Utilities, Fortis are both companies that have increased their dividend over 40 years in a row. So there's plenty of names out there in Canada that you can buy that have just been as steady as clockwork, increasing that dividend year after year after year. 25 years in a row in the States, that's a pretty high bar, isn't it? That's a pretty high bar, and I think it boils down to 1% or 2% of, of the S&P 500 actually 
uh, are companies that meet that high bar. So, frankly, if you're buying dividend achievers, you're in very rarefied air. So you're talking, what, 25 to 50 companies maybe in the States? That's about it. Okay. So what? who gets attracted to these stocks? I mean, I think it's people who want steady, dependable growth, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, if you're an, analyzing a stock, one thing you'll real, realize over time is that the only way companies can increase their dividend on a regular basis is if they increase their earnings on a regular basis. And in other words, they're steadily improving, steadily increasing. And these are the kind of companies that are ideal for individuals who are still in their earning and saving years and have plenty of time to let their portfolios grow. Dividend growth companies typically generate more capital gains, which don't attract any tax unless they're sold. So, you know, if you bought Fortis, for example, 25 or 30 years ago, or Canadian Utilities 35 or 40 years ago, you'd pay tax on the dividends. But these stocks have uh, doubled and tripled and, and, and gone even higher. And, you know, you're, you're looking at names, and some of the Canadian banks as well have gone up over 30 years, have gone up 20, 30 times. So you're looking at companies that if you bought them and hung on to them, you never would have paid a dime in tax because you've never sold them. Now, I mean, obviously, with uh, governments groping around for ways that they can get more tax, they might eventually decide to tax you on unrealized gains. But as of today, anyways, if you don't sell a stock, you haven't paid any of that tax, and you've been able to compound all that growth over years, maybe even decades. So that's dividend growth stocks. Now, what about dividend yield stocks? Distinct difference? Well, dividend yield stocks, these are companies that have a higher than average yield. And these are companies that typically don't grow very much, so they don't need a lot of the capital that a growth company does to reinvest in the business. So they can take a higher percentage. And usually uh, dividend yield stocks will take maybe up to 70% of their earnings and pay it out to shareholders. And I generally look at the dividend yield stocks or as companies that have dividends over 4%. And you know these are companies that typically are stable and where their opportunities for growth are limited and they decide that, hey, we're going to reward our shareholders by taking a larger portion of the profits and pay it out to shareholders in the form of a regular cash payment, and that's the dividend. So is there a little bit of a risk involved there, I would wonder? Well, here again, you know, if you have a company that has a very, very stable market and, you know, it grows about the rate of inflation, you know, maybe its earnings grow at 1% or 2% a year, but there's not a whole lot of opportunities for it. And, uh, you know, and management is good. Management isn't trying to do anything crazy. And it, the company is well run. Those are the type of companies that are really attractive as dividend yield stocks. And they're great for retirees. And I was going to say, like, who's attracted to stocks like that? People that are retired and they're trying to protect their income, their investments? Yeah, I mean, if you can get a dividend of 5% and dividends are taxed at 34% in top bracket in Alberta versus 48 well, you've got a stable company, and I mean, names are like we talked about, Fortis, Canadian Utilities, um, uh, Power Corporation, and that pay very, very good dividends. And if you get a 5% dividend on companies like these versus 1% in a GIC, 
even if the companies aren't growing very, very quickly, you get the advantage of, of a much higher income in a stable company. And so if, if you're a retiree and you have the ability to buy these type of companies and you don't have to sell the companies regularly to create more capital to live off, but you can just live off the dividends, you get a portfolio of 10 to 20 of these names like BCE and, and, and maybe one of the major banks like Royal Bank or Bank of Montreal, and you build a portfolio of these things, and you don't have to sell them first time the market goes down. You can just live off the income. These are very, very attractive types of investments for retired individuals that are looking for higher yield. Okay, now this is this is fascinating. This is where we get into the numbers game, and I love when we do these kinds of things on the show because it just opens your eyes and you sit back and you go, wow. So let's talk about advantages of dividend stocks in general. Well, a big advantage that most people don't realize is that dividends contribute a huge part of total return because usually with a stock you get the appreciation from share price going up, but you also get appreciation from the dividends. And uh, there's been a recent study, and uh, I sent that to you, Gord. It was actually Morningstar in Hartford. They did a study that that uh, was a long-term study that went from the 1940s to 2020. And they found that over that entire period, the dividends accounted for 42% on average of the total return from 1930 to 2019. 42% came from dividends. And if you look at, at some of the individual stocks, well, Coca-Cola is a classic example. You bought a share of Coca-Cola back in 1919, one share for 40 bucks, and uh, you held on to it for 93 years. In other words, you gave it to your grandkids. It would be worth $341,545, just the share price appreciation. But if you'd reinvested the dividends, be worth $9.8 million. And another Hartford uh, Morningstar study showed that between 1960 and 2020, so it's a period of 60 years, that the index itself, the S&P 500, without reinvesting the dividends, uh, 10000 grew to $627,000. I mean, that's a huge number. But if you'd reinvested the dividends, your $10,000 would have grown to $3.8 million. So over the long run, compounding uh, the compounding effect that you get from reinvesting dividends provides an enormous boost to total return. Is that because, Ron, if, if you're reinvesting the dividends, you're usually buying more of the stock, correct? Yeah. yeah. And over, over time, you're going to dollar cost average. You're going to get a good average price. And since uh, stocks historically have gone up about 65 to 70% of the time and down 30 to 35% of the time, the up over the time has been much greater than the down. And so it's resulted in you just getting a favorable price over time. And that really adds up, especially if, if you can look at a time horizon of a decade or two decades or three decades. It really makes a difference. Well, having worked for a couple of publicly traded companies in my day, I can remember as the year-end approached, there'd be a lot of meetings in the corner offices with the financial people and stuff as they're looking at the books. And, they're, and, and that's what accountants do. They try to find all the tricks. It's pretty easy to maybe fudge earnings. But you can't fudge dividends, right? Very hard to fudge dividends because, frankly, if the bank has the clamps down on your earnings because you're not able to pay your debt, 
they're not going to let a dividend go out. So you can fudge earnings, but I mean, it's possible to fudge dividends, but you can't fudge them for very long. Your dividends are real. They're tangible and you can't pay out something you don't have. So especially if you're concerned about, you know, you look at a company's books and you really don't understand the nebulous, um, you know, a company loses money, but these got all these, these nebulous statistics, which make it show that they're doing well. Well, if you don't really understand this stuff, the, the KISS formula, to keep it simple, is just buy companies that pay good dividends and have a reasonable payout ratio. And we're going to be talking about that on the next show. We're going to talk about how to analyze and determine what makes a good dividend payer and a good uh, dividend growth stock. So um, certainly earnings are one thing, but buying companies that have historically paid good dividends is a safer way to play the markets. Okay, so before we, we wrap up this first part of this show, let's talk a little bit about the advantages of dividend yield stocks. Yeah, they, dividend yield stocks, here again, those are the, the companies that uh, pay a dividend. It's usually a higher dividend, and they don't grow nearly as much. And in a market like this, uh, they can provide yields that are considerably higher than GICs or bonds. I mean, Which right GIC, now, yeah, there, there's nothing there. Virtually. Yeah, I mean, unless you unless you think half a percent to one and a half percent is a really good rate of return, so uh, you're getting an excellent rate of return. Plus, um, if if you're buying it in a in a regular taxable account, you're paying thirty four percent versus forty eight percent, and you can have the dividend tax credit as well, which for people who don't have a lot of other income, uh, uh, you can earn uh, you can earn a considerable amount of money that you don't even have to pay tax on. So, you know, there's tax advantages, there's yield advantages, and certainly um, stocks that pay a high dividend, it's almost like a shock absorber because if a company's share price drops, it means it's already high yield increases. And it increases to the point that investors find irresistible. I mean, if a stock's paying a 5% dividend and it drops by 20%, well, that yield is now 6% on the stock. And as its dividend rises to the point, investors start licking their chops and jumping in because they're happy to buy something, even if it doesn't grow a lot, just to get a 6% steady return. And that puts a floor under the price. Okay, and before we wrap this up, are there advantages for dividend growth stocks too? There must be. Well, dividend growth stocks can grow their dividends consistently, which means that they're also uh, growing their earnings. And if you take a look at uh, the, the the chart on that uh, that that I'm looking at, you know, if you take a look at the top 40% of dividend-paying stocks, on average, they have beat or outperformed the S&P 500 on average about 72% of the time. So, you know, these are not widow and orphan stocks. These are not boring stocks. These are generally the kind of companies that can consistently uh, outperform. So and these are the kind of companies that you want to have in your portfolio. And certainly, if you've got people forget, Gord, that if I buy a GIC, I'm not going to get surprised by the bank phoning me up and saying, we like you, you're such a great guy that we're going to give you more than the 1% we've guaranteed you 
on an annual basis to pay. That's You're not going to happen. That ain't going to happen. Don't but, wait for that call. <laughs> yeah, don't wait for that phone call. But companies often will increase their dividends faster than the rate of inflation. So let's say inflation is 3%. And you get a company that's growing. It's got a 3 or 4% dividend. And it's growing that dividend by, let's say, 4 or 5%. In some cases, exceptional companies can go decades and increase their dividends 5 to 10%. Well, you're actually increasing your buying power uh, faster than inflation is chewing it up. So companies that grow their dividends are ideal when you're retired because you've got to be able to produce returns that are higher than inflation or you are going backwards. Let's talk a little bit about what we sort of touched on, the dividend reinvestment plan, the DRIP. I mean, this is, uh, to me, it's a no-brainer. You buy a stock that has that ability, and you sit back and you put it in a drawer. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, literally, there's a long, long list of companies. And I would suggest that uh, you go back and look at our our shows. We've been doing this now for two and a half years. And we've got a number of shows on, on dividend reinvestment plans and how they work and how to get set up on them. That you go back and listen to the those shows about how to get your stock put on a drip plan, but having the dividends and getting them reinvested and to achieve a compounding effect is just such a no-brainer way to increase your portfolio. And over time, like we showed above, so that dividend reinvestment amounts to about 42% of your total return over time. So it, it it's just a great way to essentially strap a turbocharger on your portfolio's returns. Also, I want to mention, Gord, really quickly, that dividend stocks, one of their other advantages is just they're less volatile. So if you take a stock that's a dividend grower and you compare it to a company that doesn't pay a dividend, dividend growers and our companies and payers typically are about a third less volatile. In other words, they go up and down uh, a third less often and a third as much as as companies that don't pay dividends. And so especially if you're retired, that makes a big, 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 big difference. So if you're retired and you don't like volatility in your portfolio because you can't work and can't make it again, dividend growers are a much safer place to be. And we always talk, as we've done in previous shows, something like a utility is a pretty safe place to be in this regard, right? Exactly. Okay, so we'll come back next week with part two of the show. We'll lay out a couple of scenarios about how maybe you want to approach getting into this part of investing if you're not there already, or maybe you want to modify it a little bit, right, Ron? Some people, you're constantly looking at your portfolio. Yeah, portfolios are not something you just push in a corner. They're fluid. As you get, yeah, they're fluid. Uh, times change, interest rates change. You get older, your financial goals change. So you got to be paying attention to, to this stuff. But uh, we'll give you some tried and true um, ways to look at a portfolio, to pick the kind of securities that you want, and, uh, and ways to modify it as, as you go along. So if you've never had or really haven't had a lot of success with uh, your portfolio, Next week, you definitely want to listen to this show. It's how to pick the kind of stocks for the long run that are low volatile, high payout, the place you want to be in a market like this. All right, so join us next week, part two 
about dividend growth and dividend yield and the rest of it and how it can influence your portfolio. Ron Hebert, the financial coach, will be back. I'm Gord Whitehead. We'll talk to you next week. The information presented is derived from sources believed to be reliable. This material is presented for information purposes only and does not constitute investment advice. Before acting on any investment information, a person should seek advice from an investment professional. The presenters may or may not hold positions in the securities discussed on this show and will not be responsible for any losses sustained from acting on this information.